Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. We're joined today by dogs, it sounds like. This is a cat show. (laughs) We're joined today by Jordan Craig. She's the uh, operations manager at Dallas Animal Services. And Dallas Animal Services, you've heard me say this on many other episodes, is the fourth largest intake shelter in the country. And uh, so she has certainly seen her share of of dogs and cats. And today's topic, kittens. Yes. And we all love those sweet little kittens. And welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. Absolutely. Jordan comes with many years of experience with kittens. And uh, kittens are, are wonderful, beautiful, of course, adorable things. You've never seen an ugly kitten, have you? No. No, they're all very cute. (laughs) They are all absolutely adorable. But we're talking about them today because it's it's April and it's what we call kitten season. And kitten season is uh, makes rescues and shelters cringe. So Jordan, kick us off by telling us why kitten season is so daunting. Kitten season, like you said, even though they are all adorable, it it is the volume that just makes it daunting. We go from getting in a couple of kittens in over the winter. We actually get customers coming in upset that they can't find kittens to adopt, but that's a good problem for our shelters to have in the winter because as soon as it gets longer days and warmer weather, we get inundated by underage kittens and they come around the exact same time. So just the sheer volume is really hard to provide care. And a lot of these kittens, when they're under three weeks of age and their eyes are closed, they need to be fed every two hours. So when they come to us orphaned without moms, that means someone is going to need to feed that kitten every two hours and ensure that they are not only getting the food, but they also need assistance going to the bathroom. We have to do temperature control. So it really is someone's full workload to feed even a handful of kittens every single day. Yeah, that's and and so how many kittens? Well, first of all, let's let's go back to kitten season for a minute. When when is kitten season? We usually say it's about April to October, but here in the south, we can see it even go from March to November. Um, it really has to do with how long the daylight is out, uh, availability of resources for the mama cats, and they gestate for about 60 days. So you can have numerous litters from one mom in that one season. Oh, wow. So how many kittens can can one cat have in one year? Oh, it, it can be up towards to... They can do four to six, and sometimes you see bigger litters. So you could have one cat have up to 30 in one season. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And How they many? can start reproducing at five months. So some of your kittens that started off the year as the first kittens born can be gestating and having kittens at the end. Wow. Those are kittens having kittens. Exactly. And so how many kittens does Dallas Animal Services see in a given year? 
Last year, we got in approximately 3,000 that were under the age of eight weeks. That is a lot of kittens to get in, especially when you consider it's packed in. The majority of them come in May and June. So in, in March to April, we double our intake of kittens. And then from April to May, we double it again. Wow, that's mm-hmm. that's a staggering number. And eight weeks, so you say under eight weeks. So um, what happened, because of course eight weeks, that's just a little two-month-old kitten, that's still a kitten. So why don't you count those in that number? That is the benchmark where they are available for adoption. They can go to their forever homes, we can get them spayed and neutered and get them placement. Up until that point, we need to find foster homes. We need to provide care in the shelter and so it's more resource intensive for all rescues and shelters. And so tell us about the setup you have there at Dallas Animal Services to, to take care of these kittens. Do you have just like one massive big room with tons of cages that hold, you know, a thousand kittens at a time? It, it's not all about the kennel space. Um, but last year we launched our nursery, which we started out with uh, four incubators and six regular kind of kennels. This year we have doubled the size of our actual nursery, but it takes more manpower. We have this wonderful new uh, trailer annex that we get wonderful sunlight. It's a nice space. It's very nicely temperature controlled so we can keep the kittens in the best environment possible. Um, And then we have a separate room where we keep the slightly older kittens that are starting to be playful and a little more, you know, active and get them a little more space. That sounds like a great setup. Mm -hmm. What, and so what happens to so these 3,000 kittens? Do, do they all end up growing up in your care and then finding homes? Last year, we did much better than in years pri- uh, prior. However, we are still having kittens that are either failing to thrive because we're not able to provide as many resources as we can. And some, unfortunately, orphaned kittens, sometimes mom does leave them for a reason. Sometimes she senses something about them medically that we don't. So we're kind of fighting, uh, you know, an uphill battle. But sometimes simply because of our, quali- our capacity for care, we have to make euthanasia decisions still for those kittens. So between needing to make calls about space and needing to make calls about their medical condition, last year approximately a third of the kittens did not make it out. Wow, that's very sad. It, that's very, it's very, very sad. It's very, very hard and especially when the staff is dedicating so much time, fosters dedicate so much time to these kittens. And truly, mama cats do an amazing job. Their workload is rigorous because, again, they're feeding these kittens every couple of hours and they're providing excellent care. So trying to substitute that with people is hard. It's not the same as having a mom. So the best chance a kitten has at survival is staying with the mother cat. Right. And where are you getting all these kittens? Do we have, is it like, do our, you know, our field officers, uh, you know, previously known as dog catchers, of course, do they, <laughs> do they go and, and pick up kittens? Or where, where are these kittens coming from? 3,000 is a lot. It's citizens in our community. And it's, they see them, they, they crawl out from under the porches, they're in the sheds, they find them when they're out with the kids, or sometimes their dogs find them. And they bring them to the shelter or they call our field team out to pick them up. Um, and it's actually, it's, it's our nature to want to rescue. It's just like kind of baby bunnies. When you find a nest of bunnies, you want to scoop them up and save them. But 
it really is essential that we watch and monitor and make sure that there isn't a mama cat out there because mamas like uh, mama bunnies don't stay with their litter all the time. They have to go out and find resources and feed. And so it's best if you watch for about eight hours, eight to 12, to make sure mom is not circling back and actually providing care. So what if somebody stumbles upon the litter of kittens that, I mean, you know, it, if if they crawl out from under someone's porch, then mm-hmm. they're there. That's easy to monitor the situation for for you know a day, half a day. But um, but if you run across them when you're out, um, how do you how do you suggest people handle that? It's best to look at the kitten. If you find a kitten that is just screaming, and they'll scream when they're healthy too. But if it, it is just screaming, you pick it up. It's cold. It's bony. It, sometimes they're covered in ants because they're kind of their body temperature has gone down and so they're becoming, you know, they're drawing parasites and things. So you, you want to look at the thriftiness. If you pick up a kitten that is hefty, it has good quality fur, it looks like its belly is, you know, bloated. That's a kitten that mama has fed recently. And it's not being abandoned. So you can kind of tell just by looking at the general overall health of the animal. And so you recommend, in that case, just leaving it where yes. it is and mom will find it. Yes, absolutely. If if you're worried and you want to set something there for them to go into, if you think that there may be a chance that another animal would come up, mom usually puts them in a pretty safe spot. But especially as they start to squirm around, sometimes the kittens can get themselves a little further from where they should be. Um, and mom, when she comes back, scoops them all up and puts them back where she wants. But you can put a little carrier with a blanket out there, a little place where you think she could nest if you want to give them a little bit of a, a safer space. Yeah. My, you know, it's such an important story. My husband um, didn't know about about kittens and kitten season and what to do. And he was out in the field working and they found a litter of teeny tiny kittens up in the engine of a tractor that they, they needed to use. And uh, and sadly, they took them to the shelter. It was in a, a small rural community in southern New Mexico. They took them to the shelter and then called me. <laughs> and I said, yes. you did what? And I'm like, you should have known. And he said, I didn't know. I didn't know. And besides, we needed to use the tractor. And I'm like, well, you should have put the kittens over in hay bales or something nearby. And, Somewhere and left safe. them there. And so I had to uh, call the shelter and they said, yep, we got the kittens. And I said, well, I'm, we're going to, I'm sending my husband right over to get the kittens so he can bring them home. And they said, no, they have to stay here on their three day stray hold. I said, well, yeah, sure. Because somebody out in the middle of some field (laughs) poking around in my husband's tractor, you know, lost their kittens. I'm like, it's pretty clear these kittens need, you know, food. And so by the time I got the kittens, only about half of them survived. And and it was very expensive and uh, and a and a lesson that he now knows to leave them alone. Yeah, and and a good trick for for checking whether or not mom comes back is making a circle around where you find them. You can use flour or um, you know any kind of white powder. If you make a line or like a circle around the kittens, if that gets disturbed, then you know mom's coming back, and you can see whether or not they've been picked up. Oh, that's a good idea. That's mm-hmm. very clever. Yep. That's that's so very clever. And they have but a name it, for that, right? For 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 it, bringing kittens into the shelter. Uh, yes. People call it kitten plucking or kitten napping. 
Um, <laughs> and it, it, it's a real thing. And, and this is not to say that there aren't kittens that absolutely are orphaned. Unfortunate things do happen to the mama cat sometimes. Or like you said, if, if you weren't sure where that car might have been parked and the kittens were put in there and you don't know where to take them back, sometimes there aren't options. And that's what the shelters in your area are there for. But if we can get the majority of these kittens to stay with their moms in the environment until they're eight weeks and either can go through a trap, neuter, return, or be brought into shelters for adoption, that'll be a much better likelihood of their survival. Yeah. And so I imagine, too, then when people bring these kittens into the shelter that are under eight weeks, do you encourage them to, to take them back at that point and or take them home and keep them for a few more weeks? Yes. We always engage our community and try to get help where we can, we want to be very transparent and honest and let them know that while, you know, we are the animal shelter, we can't guarantee the safety of these kittens with us. And we need all the help we can get to ensure we can maximize life outcomes. Mm -hmm. And how else can people help? You mentioned fostering earlier. So what a fun thing that would be. Can It's kind of like a, a kitten, a kitten borrowing program for a few weeks. How does that work? Absolutely. Well, we have a wonderful partner, the SPCA of Texas, that has even foster kits ready to go. So if you are, have found some kittens and you're able to help us out and hold on to them, if you go through the SPCA of Texas, they will help set you up as a foster through their organization right then and there. We also, for the kittens that are in our care, if you're not the finder and you want to go ahead and help us, we do foster orientations all the time and we need people of all experience levels because we get six-week-old kittens that need just a couple of weeks that are eating on their own, going to the bathroom on their own. They just need someone to help socialize them in a safe place to be out of the shelter. And so we can really use anybody's help that's interested in sharing their time with some kittens. And it's very rewarding. Oh, that's great. So if someone finds a litter of kittens, instead of bringing them down to you, they could just go to the SPCA and say, I found a litter of kittens, I need help taking yes. care of them, and they'll, they'll set you up? They've got kits ready to go, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. What a great resource for everybody to know about. And then do you have, you know, you mentioned this, this nursery and incubators. What a, what a fun place is that? Do you have volunteer oppor- opportunities for people who, you know, can't take kittens home for whatever reason? Can they come in and help on site? Yes. Seven days a week, we need help feeding kittens. And we've got orientations going once a week, um, rotating between Saturdays and Sundays. We've got one coming up this Sunday at one o'clock. And you are more than welcome to come in. You don't have to let us know. We, we will just schedule you for that class, and we will get you in and get you engaged with helping us feed kittens. Oh, that's great. That, that'd be fun, too, just come in and feed those little tiny babies. Yes. Because I think what happens is, you know, people see little baby bunnies and little baby kittens, and what they want to do is just scoop them up and love on them. <laughs> and, and it's not, you, you can still do that. So leaving them there doesn't mean just ignoring them. You can monitor them. Mom is going to come back. It's, it's not the age-old tale that if you touch it, mom will never return, like the baby birds and the baby bunnies. Mom will absolutely come back for that kitten. So while you have some kittens in your yard or under your porch, if you want to help socialize them, that better prepares them for that next leg of their life. So touching is actually good. Oh, that's fun. That That's mm-hmm. fun. So you can, yeah. you can grow your own kittens in your yard. You can. Absolutely. And so then, then when they're old enough, they can come into the shelter and get spayed and neutered and we'll find placement. 
Yeah, and so that that leads me to the next question. So 3,000 kittens a year is a lot, and we're just talking one shelter in Dallas. Now, granted, we have a giant shelter here, but where are all these kittens coming from? It It is a problem that most shelters still deal with, and it's because of so many cats living in our community that are not spayed and neutered. And like we talked about, if one cat can have upwards of 30 kittens in a season, you're endlessly playing catch up. And we have to get ahead of that by doing some TNR and community cat return to field programs. Yeah. And what, and so for, for those of those people listening that, that don't understand what TNR is or return (laughs) to field, tell them how those programs work. Yeah. um, So TNR is for trap, neuter, return. And most of the time people associate that with feral cats, but it can be for community cats that are social as well. And also return to field is the same kind of concept. But basically, it's making sure that animals are are picked up and either taken to clinics or taken to animal shelters where they get all of the necessary vaccines, they get flea and tick prevention, and then they're spayed and neutered, ear-tipped, and returned to where they were already living because if they're having resources out there, the key is to make sure they can't continue reproducing but can continue living their happy, healthy lives. So if I hear you right, what you're saying is if you find a litter of kittens, leave them there. But if you find a stray cat, bring it in? Absolutely. Or or get it to a clinic or a group that will help you with trap, neuter, return. If mm-hmm. right this time of year, it is a little bit tricky because, you know, if you find a mama cat that's heavily lactating, we do want to get them back to their kittens really quickly. So the spring can be harder for that, but throughout the year, if you find a cat that needs to be fixed, absolutely contact your local shelter for help. And and so will the shelter come out and and then do trapping and and taking and fixing and returning cats for people here in Dallas? The city of Dallas, we do not have a trapping program that we can offer traps that we can you know go out and get. But there are trapping organizations that are more than happy to help. And if you go to our City of Dallas website, we have some information about resources for outdoor cats, including some of those organizations' contact information, as well as clinics that would help you with spay and neuter at low cost if you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And how many, is has anybody done an approximation count here in the City of Dallas? How many stray cats do we think are roaming out there? Oh, there are so many stray cats roaming still. I mean, the the kittens is a very uh, good sign of that. Last year alone, we did a thousand return to field cats. And that was people bringing in cats that they'd found in the community that we were returning. But that was just our organization. And again, we're not the primary one doing trap neuter return. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's a lot, and I know I've heard some some numbers upwards of of eighty plus million free roaming cats in the United States. That's a huge, yes. huge, huge number. It is a daunting number, and it because it is such a big problem. A lot of people don't know where to start, but if everybody takes care of their own area, if everybody works together to get just the cats that they find roaming around their house, spayed and neutered, it makes such a big difference. And I talk to people who, you know, who are against these outdoor free roaming cats. They think that they're an invasive species eating birds and and things like that. So 
how do we how do we deal with those people? Well, the the animal industry spent decades rounding up those cats and killing them in shelters. And we still have a problem. So clearly doing catch and kill didn't work. Um, we created a vacuum where actually the cats that tended to not be vaccinated, not be as healthy, continued breeding. And we ended up with more problems. So by returning cats to the field where they are vaccinated, they are sterilized. So there's less of those um, nuisance behaviors where they're going to the bathroom everywhere. They're fighting. There's, you know, there's territory issues. When you return them sterilized, a lot of that goes away and they can live healthy lives and keep other cats from moving into that area that then continued those problematic behaviors. So actually mm-hmm. keeping sterilized cats in your area can keep the population down. And, and the rodents down too, probably, right? <laughs> yes, rodents and snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it helps. <laughs> and so if, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like, and I remember I had a koi pond out in, in my side yard at one point in time, and I asked the guy at the fish store, how many koi can I have? And he said, well, it depends on how big the pond is because the, the koi will only grow to a certain size yep. and, you know, you can overcrowd the pond. So is it is it like that too with cats? Like if I have an area, this area is supporting X number of cats and if I remove cats, more are just going to come in? Yes. You create so, the vacuum and they will always fill that. And it might not be a cat, but you're going to get wildlife that are going to fill that same niche. You're going to get raccoons. You're going to get possums because there is a food source. Cats don't live where they're not thriving. They will always scavenge and find better resources. Yeah, and those those two species are highly likely to have rabies where the cats probably aren't. And especially if we're returning them with a rabies vaccination, the raccoons right. don't tend to come with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a, a return to field program for raccoons, do we? <laughs> we do not. No. It's <laughs> sad. They're cute, too. <laughs> they are. I do love my wildlife. <laughs> so what's involved in, in trapping a cat? Let's say someone's interested and and but doesn't know where to start, um, you know, and they and they go on the website and they they hook up with our resources and they they get a trap. And I'm assuming you bait it with uh, with really stinky cat food or, or tuna or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you need to, usually you need to work with your neighbors and communicate because, like I said, somebody's probably feeding. So if it's not you, you want to talk to people and let them know that you're trying to get some animals um, sterilized. And so you can ask everybody to cut back on their feeding for a day or two or that week that you're going to be doing your trapping. And you want to put some really stinky, yummy food in the back of that trap. So really high value resource. Um, some people even just use straight up um, tuna, other things that aren't, are, you know, made for people, not cats that are really smelly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that you can get the animal. Um, and you, it's very important that as you're trapping, you're not doing it during the heat of the day. And that where you're trapping, you're, you're cognizant of the weather because you don't want to contain one of these creatures in a trap where they can't escape the elements. And, and so what happens if you, if you're not trapping in the heat of the day but you're trapping, say, in the evening, and you catch one, is it okay? I mean, what, what do you do? There's, you, there's no, like, 24-hour places you can take it, 
Wait, right? There, there are not. Um, I, when I did it, I didn't have a garage and I would always put it over to the side of my house below the overhang with a cover. And as long as you put in wet food, they're going to get their dietary needs and their hydration from that wet food. At first, they're going to be stressed, so they're not going to eat it. But if you want to slip in a little additional food, you can. But if it's only a matter of 8 to 12 hours and there isn't strong temperatures, you're going to be fine. But again, I wouldn't trap on a stormy night. And then I'm assuming you want to put down plenty of plastic drop cloth in your car before you try to you take them. You certainly do. Yes. <laughs> the um, they most of them have never been in a car before, and it's a very stressful drive for them. Um, so you want to make sure you put down sheets or a tarp in the back, and you also want to cover them. And even if they live in the same environment, it's really if you're taking multiples, if you have a couple traps. You want to make sure that you put something over them where they aren't going to make contact just because with that stress, you don't want them fighting through the cages or anything. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then, so then the person takes them to whatever resource that's going to spay, neuter, fix them. And, and that could be, that could be you guys, right? Absolutely. You, they can be brought to us um, seven days a week. We take in animals and we do hold them in our facility for stray hold. And then they, we partner with the spay neuter network for return after mm-hmm. sterilization. So that's all they have to do. They'll, they'll get their trap back. Right. And they can, they, they can just go they'll, home and the cattle show back up. Right. That is the way our service works. Um, depending on the, the clinic, some have you leave the trap and that they actually do the sedation in the trap to re, uh, reduce stress and the animal recovers in there as well. So it just depends on what program, but with us, if you bring the trap, we will absolutely switch them to another carrier and you can take your trap home with you. Oh, that's great. That's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful service that, uh, that the shelter's performing here in Dallas. And there's a lot of other organizations, like I could take them to the SPCA as well, right? The SPCA has the um, clinic that will support spay and neuter as well. But like I said, I'm not certain how they handle the drop-off. Based upon other TNR programs, I would guess you're going to want to drop off in the morning and pick back up at the end of the day with them. And then at the end of the day, can you just let them back out or do they need time to recover from their surgery? The males can be released the same evening. Females, typically they recommend you at least keep them overnight for recovery. But if you don't have recovery space and you know the animal's been living out in that environment, just make sure that there is a, like, a place where they could go if they need to get away. So again, a carrier where you just leave the door off where they can go in and kind of rest on their own. But it, it's great if you can have a little recovery space. But in reality, a lot of people don't have that available for these cats. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and they've been living out there all this time anyway. They're, they're they probably going to be just fine, right? Yes. They yeah. they certainly do very well. Yep. And we all hear about the, you know, you assume that people that are out there doing this are the crazy cat ladies. But I actually heard something the other day that was pretty funny. Someone was telling me, you know, the guys really love to do trapping because it's like fishing for them. <laughs> and the guys really get into this, <laughs> setting these traps. And so, ladies... Get your husbands and their buddies involved. How do them start a contest to see who gets the biggest cat in the trap? <laughs> it, it's exciting. It is. You you hear the trap snap and you're like, oh, which one did I get? And, you know, you, you hope it's not the same one because sometimes they come back for repeats. They didn't learn their lesson. They like the free food. So, um, but it, it really is exciting and it's 
it's a valuable service you can provide to your community. And that's another thing, uh, talking about catching the same ones, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned ear tipping. For, for people who don't understand that, that's where they cut the top of the ear off just a, just a bit. So it's just a tip of the ear. And yep. that way, visually, you know, when you see that in a cat, you know that cat's already spayed and neutered. You can just open the trap door and let them back out, right? Absolutely. Unless the animal looks like it's not thriving, if the animal seems like it's losing weight or it's sick, please go ahead and pick it up and take it to a shelter or a vet clinic. But if it is a healthy cat that's just going for that free meal, yes, open the door back up and let it on out. And and what about, you know, when we're talking about trapping cats, so we're assuming these are more of the unsocial ones that people can't get near, but what about the cats that's, you know, that's coming up and begging on your front door and purring and wanting in and, and letting you pet it? What about those? It's essential that we get those sterilized and removed to the community as well. Oftentimes those cats have multiple owners or a pretty good territory and they're very gregarious. They're the ones that go and basically collect the resources for the other cats because people put food out for those social cats and then others in the community then can feed off of those same same resources. So they're essential for these communities as well. And we just wanna make sure that since we know they're visiting multiple places that they're not visiting multiple male cats as well and female cats. So we wanna make sure they're fixed and healthy in their environment. Yeah, those are the little panhandlers, right? They all are, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are, I, I hear those stories. Those are the ones out adopting people. <laughs> they are, absolutely. And, like, and some of them some of them do end up getting taken into houses, but a lot of them, you know, you, you have them in for a couple hours and they're begging to go back outside. So these are the cats that have multiple owners, typically, Yeah. <laughs> that don't yeah. even know about it. Yeah, yeah. They're like you're you're my Monday, Wednesday, Friday house from two to four, and <laughs> and the yep. lady across the street. I have breakfast with her every morning out on the porch, and <laughs> yeah, and they're happy that way. And, they and, and they're are. and they're very happy that way. The only thing that I see, and from a behavior standpoint, often is those are the cats that are wreaking havoc on the indoor cats because if you have a multi-cat household inside and they're seeing these outdoor cats go by, it can create some redirected aggression and territorial issues for the indoor cats. So a lot of times, too, I will have to consult with clients for humane deterrence to keep them from getting within view of windows so that it doesn't drive the indoor cats crazy. Yes, and there are deterrents, like you said, that if if you are having problems or if you think your yard is not safe for these cats, let's say you've got a big dog that chases the cats, um, a, a dog is a very good deterrent, but there are other things that you can get to help keep these cats out of your flower beds, out of your yard that will help. And, and, and I think a lot of people too think, oh, but if I take them to the shelter, I'm going to, they can have a chance at a home where they can be indoors and sleep by the fireplace and that kind of thing. Still more than 50% of people that adopt let their cats outside. So a lot of these are going back out, and especially if that's where they're happy. They're the cats that when you get them inside are begging to go back out most of the time. And we want to ensure that we are saving our kennel space and our resources for the cats that have no other option and have no community to return to. 
Um, there are owners that things change in their lives and these indoor cats need to come to the shelter to find new homes. And we want to be able to have a as stress-free environment as possible. And most cats don't like living in a little box surrounded by other cats. So right. It, it just, they end up with high stress. They end up catching respiratory illnesses because they're in that mode where they're just so shut down that their immune systems crash. So the fewer cats that we can keep in our program, the healthier we can keep all of the cats in our, in our shelter. Well, and, and it's, you know, they, they take them into the shelter and even if they get adopted rather than being returned, it, like you said, chances are they're going to be adopted into a home that is also letting them out, but letting them out in a neighborhood that they're not familiar with that might be overcrowded with other cats. And so they might not have as plentiful of resources in this new space and may get injured and, you know, in fights and, and things like that too. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, it, their territory, a lot of them have probably lived there their whole lives. It's probably their kin. It's the, the cats that they've known. So we're, we're displacing unnecessarily and, and really using a lot of shelter resources sometimes to try to find these new homes when they, when they had a, a fine community to live in in the first place. Yeah, and people don't, I mean, there's so few people that actually come look for their lost cat because they're used to them going away sometimes for a couple days at a time and coming back that they, they, don't, even, they don't even go down to the shelter quickly because you know, they're, they're, they're used to them not coming back. So how many, how many are actually reunited with their owners anyway? The national average is 2%. It is incredibly low. The dogs are in the mid twenties. So that is a huge difference. And we've seen a little bit of an increase in with microchipping, but like you said, really putting the cats back all the time. Um, when I was in Austin, I would hear people say, oh, yeah, my cat went missing, but it came back and it has a tipped ear. It's kind of weird, but hey, it came back. <laughs> <laughs> so people, by the time they're thinking about looking at the shelters, oftentimes they're already back at their house. Um, so it's actually pretty cool that we're getting animals fixed in the process. <laughs> And, and the other good thing, too, is when these, you know, unneutered males and, and unaltered females are out there loose, they, if you have indoor cats, they're probably coming up and spraying on your windowsills and screen doors where they're seeing your indoor cats, also doing yep. a, a natural territorial marking thing, which is driving your cats insane. It can cause the worst litter box issues in addition to, to aggression. And, and make your paint peel also. <laughs> yes, the, these intact cats that are very, very territorial cause numerous problems that are very, very easily treated with spay neuter. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So um, anything else before we recap that, that we didn't touch on about kittens or outdoor cats? I don't think so. I mean, the the solution is trap neuter return long term. We need to make sure these community cats are spayed and neutered because by just focusing on this this daunting kitten season, we're being reactionary instead of proactive. So down the line, if we can simply get ahead of this and fix them up front, then we can really focus on the problem. And then hopefully someday we will not have this kitten explosion every April. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so to recap, we have 
3,000 kittens under eight weeks old entering Dallas Animal Services alone every year. Many, 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 many millions more than that across the country. And, and a good percentage of those don't make it out of the shelter alive because of illness and, and they're just too fragile and too young. Um, There's just no real way to support them, even with good high-tech incubators and round-the-clock staff. And so what we're encouraging people to do is if you find a litter of kittens, monitor it. If If they're healthy kittens, they're warm, their tummies are full, they don't have visible parasites, leave them where they are. They've probably got a mom that's out hunting or taking care of stuff for them, and she'll be back to, to get them. But if the kitten is you know, very sick or small or cold or covered in ants or something, definitely pick that up and, and take it into your shelter. And then, absolutely, you know, ways you can help are, are fostering because we do have 3,000 under eight-week-old kittens that that need a place to be, and we have limited seats in the shelter. So if people can can help by taking them into their home and getting them over that hump to eight weeks and then volunteering, coming down into the shelter, if, if you can't provide round-the-clock care or have someone in the family who's allergic or anything like that that prevents you from bringing a foster kitten home, you can always come to the shelter and volunteer there and work in that neonatal facility and help bottle feed these little tiny guys. There's nothing cuter than when they latch onto that bottle in their little ears. Every time <laughs> they suck on the bottle and their little yeah. ears twitch back. That is the cutest it's so thing cute. ever. <laughs> it's so much fun. We could definitely use your help down there. So if, if that's something that sounds like fun and, and we take minors too, right? People that are underage, if they're, if their parents come along with them. So if you have a, a child that might enjoy that experience. They could, yes. You could go through the program, the nursery right? Is a wonder, the nursery is a wonderful place for us to bring our, you know, under 18 volunteers. Um, it They are excellent bottle feeders. <laughs> um, if you've got younger teens that want to come out and support, as long as you're there, we will help. That's great. And, that, that's a- and foster fostering also for the underage. If you're thinking, you know, you need something for your kids to do over the summer break while they're not in school, fostering kittens teaches them so much about responsibility and proper care of animals. That's great. We should get with the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and, and, and have a badge. Absolutely. <laughs> kitten uh, care badge. Yeah, yeah, a kitten care badge. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That, that would be great. Because it really is. It's a lesson that they will never forget. Yeah. And then and then if you have if you have cats roaming loose in your neighborhood that are contributing to this atrocious problem, please do what you can to help get them also into the shelter or one of the other many wonderful programs we have in our community that'll help spay and neuter them and get them vaccinations and get them flea and tick medica- medication and treat any other illnesses they might have and return to their homes. That's that's something the community community can do to help us as well. Absolutely. Anything else we, we want to let people know about or ask for their help on? Um, I think you've summed it up perfectly. We've fostering, volunteering, and helping get these cats fixed. But we we certainly appreciate everything that the community does to help the animals here. That's great. We do, too. We appreciate everything you're doing at Dallas Animal Services. You guys have your plate full with 3,000 little tiny babies to take care of. We really appreciate all you do to, to take such good care of them while they're there with you. Thank you so much, Molly. 
Yeah, and thanks for joining us today. And Before we sign off, I want to do a shout-out to our sponsor, Brian Edwards Wealth Management. Brian helps all of us crazy cat ladies stay in business by making sure we have guaranteed lifetime income with some of his investment products. So if you're a crazy cat lady or a crazy cat lady wannabe or one of those guys who needs to go out and buy a bunch of traps and start a little trapping contest in your neighborhood, give Brian Edwards a call. You can find him at brianedwardswealthmanagement.com. And that's Brian with a a Y, B-R-Y-A-N. EdwardsWealthManagement.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And thank you, Jordan, for joining us. Thank you. Hopefully, you'll, you'll join us again in the future. Absolutely. All right. Everybody have a great week and keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat, toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 